Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers, back with your first 2 by 2 of this very special summer extravaganza known as Summers in the ER. That's right. The brainchild. Sorry. I was a little disappointed. Well, that's a different episode that we got to record in a minute. But yeah. I was a little disappointed that I didn't get a full-on credit scene and the old-school score with this new, newish, very new episode that yeah. you showed me. Yeah, yeah, that's like in this. The what and it's it's crazy because like the one I showed you, the one we're gonna talk about later, um, that happened like it's maybe like I don't know twelve episodes like that because I feel like everything. Like boom, real quick, they had to start jumping into stuff. You know, like heroes did it. All that some change in format. I don't know what it was, but it's like you're on the way out. It's your last season. Just keep Friday Night Lights still has the whole song. Everybody's feeling that that Breaking Bad vibe of just I guess. like, oh, all you need is like a title card and just a few few chords. Yeah, that's, that's it. All you need. Okay, so. Uh, for anybody who hasn't listened to previous episodes where we've teased this, Gavin, do you want to explain for the listeners what exactly Summers in the ER is and how it relates to our 2x2 two two today, which is going to be, this is our 2x2 two two for the month of June, Yes. part one of six of this yes. little summer series that we're going to do that'll run now through August, our first pairing, Miracle Mile, and Out of Sight. Yes. So, so explain for the listeners why we're doing those movies. So um, I went back and was like, ER's on HBO. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I never have. I know mom's done it twice. And as I started watching these, I was like, you know, there's a ton of people randomly and stuff that you just, they're big names now. Like, we're not going to cover this episode. It's not going to matter. I was not even paying attention and I'm watching an episode and a friend of mine in the room's like, do you, you recognize who that is? And it's just a lawyer that's handing Benton papers for his, his like custody hearing. It's fucking Keegan, Michael key, but he doesn't look anything like it. Cause he has a lot of hair <laughs> and he's like, not the tallest one on the screen. And you're like, he does. He just, he has like two lines. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit it is. And so watching all these episodes, seeing all these people come back, like now that are famous and have gone on to bigger things. I'm like, I, I, there's, been an ER podcast, I'm sure. Um, people talk about it. I'm sure there are many. Um, yes. Yeah. And as it relates, like, you know, now, unfortunately, Grey's is the longest running medical drama. But in our time, when we were growing up, ER was like the show that was, was like. It was part of must-see TV, baby. Yeah, appointment television. Yeah. So I was trying to come up with a way to where we could, like, talk about the show, but not drone on ad nauseum about episode by episode. And between our conversations, particularly so that I did not have to do what you did, which was watch 15 seasons of 22 episode, like old school, 22 episode, 24 episodes, sometimes hour long drama. I did it 45 minutes, 48 minutes. Sometimes I I let me tell you with the commercial breaks taken out Uh pretty, uh, pretty smooth sailing. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah. Pretty, uh, Cracker Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, pacing for episodes yeah. to be honest with you it's one of those things where like i'm so glad we could do it but i feel for the guy who bought all the seasons on dvd as they were coming out and like had the special features and all that mm-hmm. and it's like yeah pay nine dollars a month and get the whole thing that's fine but 
So the format we came up with was I'll pick a handful of episodes that have, you know, very prominent guest stars. And they aren't going to be these ones where like, you know, Ray Liotta was in one. So it's about him. R.I.P. Ray Liotta, by the way. We may do that as like a special like bonus Patreon only. And a movie that I have not heard come up in a lot of the retrospectives. Nobody talks about NARC and the kind of like. Yeah. The second wind of the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. We did an episode on NARC earlier this year. Yeah. So go we check may that have out. to we may have to revisit and give our best like little bits of him. Yeah. That one was uh, that one was a bummer, man. Yeah. One of my faves. Yeah. Out of the blue. Um. But uh, where was I going with this? Sorry. So, I got sorry. You off we, we we weren't going to do anything like Sally Field has a recurring role. And the later right, you're seasons. kind of limiting it to episodes, because like, of course I I watched the episode that we're talking about later today. Yeah, um, and I was just like, oh, but I would kind of want to do a movie with, or Angela Bassett or Courtney B. Vance or like I'm just like going down. I was like, when did these people come on the right, show? Right, and that's exactly and, we, when we yeah. get to the episode that we we can talk about why I did this one first. Um, so. The ideal, what the idea is, we're going to talk about an ER episode. From that episode, we're going to have guests. Noah should probably find the guests pretty simple. There may be one or two in there that he's like, oh, wait, what? I missed them. And the guest star obviously has gone on to be a big thing or was or was just like coming back for one episode as like a cameo thing. Of like, oh, look at this actor from back in the day who's on a, you know, a, a primetime television show. We're going to pick a movie from each of the guests because most of these i've picked out have two guests that are kind of big names and we're going to do a movie of each of their filmography and we'll talk about them as the two by two but the way this is going to roll out and the reason why we rolled out with this is because um for those of you who don't know um the one of the bigger stars coming into this series was a man named anthony edwards most of you don't know who he is but his name you know, everybody knows who Goose is with, you know, yes. Maverick coming out. Some so, of you probably know Dr. Mark Green. Some, yeah. But that's what some he'll always you, be to me. Some of you, if you're, if you're really hardcore, you know Harry Washoe. But also, you know Bill Armstrong from Zodiac. Stealthily the best performance yes. in, oh, a, God, in yes. a masterpiece of a movie. But one of those where he came back and you're just like, Hey, did you guys forget how fucking, fucking good Anthony Edwards is? Can you put him in more shit again? Yeah, yeah that um, didn't really happen. So we just, but because the two big names, like to me, this this show, like it, you know, starts a lot of people's careers. So yes. for the most part, some of them jump onto other bigger shows. Some of them go onto movies, and I'm sure everybody knows this knows this by now. But there was a there was some guy. It was, uh, it was like Miguel Ferreira's cousin or something. His mom, <laughs> Rosemary was, Clooney's uh, nephew. Yeah, Is that right. Yeah, he had like a famous aunt. Uh, it's some guy named George. It was weird. Just George. Yeah. This guy named George Clooney. I don't know if you've heard of him. I don't He's know been why they hired him because every single pilot or TV show that he appeared on prior, right, was canceled yes. subsequently, except for a pretty pretty decent scent on uh, Roseanne right and uh, as we saw when we were down to the beach the Golden Girls I don't oh, know yeah. if you're paying attention yeah, when yeah. that was on you no way I might have missed that no we were watching hockey that night the night before the episodes where he was on as like a detective with the Miami PD vice squad he was he was on um, so yeah George Clooney was also in this show 
as well Dude. as a, t- a hand of me, another okay. ensemble cast of actors. I'm sorry, but it's already hitting me. I'm just like, d- next summer, is it? Do we stay in the ER or do we take a trip on down to Miami and we do Miami Vice? Dude, I am as the template for. I am season here for two. it. Summers in Miami. Yeah. Summer Vice. Yeah, the Summer Vice. <laughs> yeah. Just a thought. No, no. Put it in your back pocket. Because I honestly, that'll probably be the next TV show that I go back and kill everything and watch it all. And I have never seen an episode. I've watched the pilot and the pilot alone could be an amazing film if you just left it at that. But that's like the, what what ER is to the 90s and early 2000s of just a cavalcade of stars that you'll go on to see all over the place. Miami Vice is that for the, the mid 80s. So we've got to somehow tie Nash Bridges into that, though. Dude, we never watched that Nash Bridges, the new movie. No, I what? Where can? Sorry, we got to figure it's got to be. You, on, you it's keep talking. Be on I'm going to I'm going to find out where um, where that's available. Yeah. So that's to kick it off. We're going to do Miracle Mile and Out of Sight. And we can talk about why we chose these two. Um, when we when we discuss them here in a second. But essentially, the format, the way you're going to do it is you you if you are not going to. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, if you're not going to go to Patreon, um, and it's like what, like a, you have it up there for like a dollar a month, it's super cheap. Um, it's like a lot lower than a, a tank of gas. I can tell you that. Um, essentially, if you don't subscribe to Patreon, you you'll hear the movies. Like that's these are our two by twos. They're going to be focused, purely focused on like ER guests. You know, because yes. we've we've always just we've kind of tried to come up with a theme form on the fly. And I felt like this was a way to just kind of like hone in on a specific little thing. Very niche. Very like, why do people care? It's right on brand with us. Why? Exactly. You know, there's all this amazing TV going on now that we're watching. So we can we can talk about later. And that's another thing, too. I You, you didn't want to go back and watch the whole series. How can you? There's such amazing television on right now. So this is just maybe a little break for you. So you're not like, oh, oh I got too much to keep up with. No, let me take a break. Let me just yeah. no, relax. It's like, oh, you only got to yeah. watch six episodes. Right. Yeah. Six episodes. Very manageable. Yeah. That's why I got a lot of respect for a lot of the six and eight episode series right. of, of this year. So, you know, um, the one we're going to talk about next when we record, you know, because we, spoiler alert, we, we record things at different times and like not always right as you hear them um if you're not Hence a patron why there hasn't been an episode for like a month and yeah a we half. took our summer it break was our, we took our summer break so that we could do content right. for exactly you during the summer well yeah while some people were still in school and finishing up we were like we'll take our vacations we, we went to the beach i went on down to florida it was great and we'll you know i'm, now, te- I'm technically taking my second vacation this coming week Very i'm going to the i'm it. going to the keys in august too so you know yeah. we'll be a nice way to bookend the people last we're like do you need us on your Patreon? You yeah. guys sound like you're doing quite well. We do. We, we do, do need you to get yes. on that Patreon. We would appreciate Check it. Check us greatly. out. Uh, if you're Again, an ER fan or if you just want to throw some love our way, that's patreon.com slash the arc of E. And by the time you're listening to this, you can go and listen to the first episode right. of Summers in the ER where so, we cover season 15, episode 6, Oh Brother. Yes. Uh, so if you want to watch that on HBO Max, before you check out the episode, you can do that. Giving you a little heads up right now. I pre- and I'm sure they would appreciate that. So yeah, if you're on Patreon, you will hear it. You will hear everything as it's intended to come out schedule wise. If you are not on Patreon, you will just hear the movie portion and maybe you at just some hear point the two by twos here on the right. main feed. Yeah. But if you want to have some fun, revisit some classic and maybe not so classic episodes of 
of ER, a show that we love, but both of us fell off with. Gavin has now, like we said, gone back and watched all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this will convince me to do so as well. But that seems like way too much of an undertaking. And I'll tell you this. If you if you were one of these people who are like, oh, Romano, I'm out. Like when he was gone, there's not a lot afterwards. They kind of, to me, I feel like, and I don't know how much of it has to do with Michael Crichton passing away. But they kind of were able, what I appreciated was they were able to see the writing on the wall, write a way out of it, but also write it that like they could pick up tomorrow and do ER again with the same cast. And you would probably still watch it because of the intensity of everything and how good it was when it was. I'm already itching so hard to start talking about the episode or go more into it. I feel like we should chill on the show, save that for our first episode. And transition into the two gentlemen who we're going to be talking about right. and where they are at career wise, because we've strategically picked a, a pre ER Anthony Edwards role and a Clooney role that you essentially explained to me because I didn't know the timeline on this was kind of the final nail in the coffin of like, right. now he's a movie star. Right. Now he doesn't need the show anymore. Right. Now, do you want to go out of sight first? Do you think? Brains, beauty before brains, or what? What do you? How are you going to do this? If that's yeah. if that's the way you're leaning, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Well, because like we can do I mean, Clooney, things. because that's the thing. Clooney, I, to me, to me, is essential. Doctor Doug Ross. Doctor Doug Ross. Yes, he's essential because, to me, like okay, there's five seasons of five six seasons of Golden Girls, and B. Arthur wants to leave, and you get the Golden Palace, and then that's it. Okay, there's five seasons of ER. Clooney wants to leave, and then you got 10 more seasons. So it's one of those things where you, you it's like a, if, you, if you're a historian of film and television, I'm sure you can point to that as a, a watershed moment of, here's a TV actor who, at this point in time, there is no, you know, it, it's appointment television, it's all network. You have some HBO stuff that's kicking up, but not like at a critical praise moment yet. And here's a person who's been on this show, but has managed to eke, eke out just a little bit of a movie career, a little bit with, you know, a little movie like, you know, From Dust Till Dawn and a little movie like oh, Batman and Robin, you know, just just some small pictures, you know, to prove that like, hey, he, he can do it. So he's still on the show when Batman and Robin comes out. He's technically still on the show when Out of Sight comes out. He li- He leaves in February of 99. That is when he exits midway through season five. The Peacemaker, Batman and Robin, Out of Sight, uh, One Fine Day, which I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, well, if he can do the rom-com thing, he can do anything. And of course, from Dust Till Dawn, um, you know, as Rodriguez has said, he wanted him to play a guy who sent people to the ER, not a doctor who saved him. And so, and if you look at that character. Check out our previous episode on From Dust Till Dawn on a little series called Rodriguez Revisited. Yes. There you go. Tons of plugs. And... If we have to, we can just pull that off the main feed and put it on Patreon, too. Um, more content, baby. So, Doug Ross as a whole, if you look at him, he is a guy who does not give a fuck about what you, the establishment, says he can do. He cares about his patients. And that's it. And I'm only going into this now because this I don't think I have too many on there that focus on him, per se, because, you know, he's only there for five episodes. Or five seasons, excuse me. Um, but he's the guy that's like, no, I'm going to take care of my patient. And famously, 
he leaves the show because there's a child that's dying and the child will not get better. And he instructs the mother on how to deliver pain medication. Mm-hmm. And she eventually, you know, she agrees like, yeah, I'm not gonna let my baby suffer. And they find out about it. And it causes this like semi bit of a rift because towards the end, they're buddies. Like the first episode, the pilot, Doug is drunk. He's coming from partying. He's going to be on soon. What does Mark Green do? Puts him on a gurney, gives him an IV, puts yeah. him in a room. And that's that. And then like that, boom, the chaos starts. And before you can get into like, oh my God, what am I seeing? The chaos is over. It just shows you just how quick a trauma center can, can, can come alive and then be dead. And so that, again, that's, you know, that's why he leaves. And essentially, you know, there is an arc with Carol, um, Carol, the, uh, Juliana Margulies. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is, cause they're kind of on again, off again. Right. right. Like they had dated before and it was kind of, eh. he kind of played around. She kind of played around. She was going to get married. She got stood up and he basically came back and said like, I'm in love with you and I want to be with you. And it's so sad, but like, she's telling him like, I, I, I don't want you to leave Chicago. And he's like, there's, there's nothing here for me. And she's like, well, why don't you just stay for me? And he's like, I, I can't, like, I have to, I have to work. I, I, I love you, but I love my, my career more. I, I'm, I'm dedicated to like trying to save lives, particularly children. Cause he's a peds doctor. And there'd been some stuff about his fellowship kind of running out. Were they going to keep him in earlier seasons? But again, five comes along. He's got a good career going with movies. And he just says, I'm going to, I'm going to step away. And so that's why we chose out of sight, because to me, at least why I thought it should be out of sight. Um, he had managed to film, you know, most of it, everything else like on summer break and stuff like that. And it worked for him when the show's on hiatus. But to me out of sight, when I watched that for the first time, not knowing kind of where it was in his filmography, when I found out later, Oh, this is just like literally released right. Almost like a year before he leaves ER. This was to me was the one because you know, Three Kings comes out in ninety nine and we love that one and I I will I will go to Matt for three to the map for Three Kings all day, but out of sight it, there's just something about him in that movie he's just so fucking just good like he's just how do you how do you not want that dude to just like get everything he ever wanted and live happily ever after in Florida with Jennifer Lopez like why do you it's just it's so I don't know if it's the Soderbergh angle. Or I don't know if it's just like it's in many it ways, it's like a dry run for the Danny Ocean character. Oh, dude, if you just called him Daniel Ocean, just change the name, and that was his origin story. I totally well, went down what, with that. Well, and that's what I love too is because you're also getting this two years after Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. which is Tarantino's take on an Elmore Leonard story, and him tweaking it a bit, right? And, like, Get Shorty is, what, 95? Yeah, I think so. I think. So, like, these are popular. I still wish we'd gotten more of them or whatever. P.S. Justified's coming back. Yeah, I saw later that. this year. That's, I think it's later this year. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so you're getting a bunch of these, like, different interpretations of Elmore Leonard. So part of it is the Jack Foley character as he's established, like, narratively and everything. Right. But. Part of it is also like the perfect synergy of like what Clooney does well, which is just ex- one of probably 
easily like the five most charismatic on-screen performers of our lifetime oh, yeah. easily and one of those people who you know people still point to is like a classic movie star in terms of performance in terms of looks etc but just a rock solid like they don't make him like this anymore no like he's a leftover vestige of like he seems born out of time almost yes and he's tried to do the the redford like transition to directing and everything somewhat successfully mostly not as far as people are concerned doesn't really seem that concerned with acting that much anymore but i you know and he doesn't have to there's like you know 10 15 movies of his that i can go back to at any given time and i do often but i do kind of like i do kind of wish there was just one more like honestly just another oceans movie where you get just that pure charisma from him but jack foley in many ways is a precursor to me to Danny Ocean. And it's not, I mean, and of course there's the Soderbergh connection, obviously the two of them like working together, but it's just a vibe of like just utter coolness. And that's the thing is like the Foley character though is a little, a little grimier, a little more rough around the edges. Right. Um, so that's why I say it's like, it's a prototype and it fits because in like, in from dusk till dawn, he gets to turn on the charisma, but the the sheer nature of that narrative and that character, just who those guys are, who the Gecko Brothers are, is kind of a barrier to entry to you being like fully. I feel like you feel bad for being right, as into right. that character you as you are. You know what I mean? Well, and like with Foley, it's like, oh, he's in prison. It is what it is. But like, he's just robbing banks. Yeah, the money is insured. He's nonviolent. He exactly. It's know. the perfect setup of just like and like. This guy's just good at what he does, yeah, but he's you're, kind of a... What you get more in the novels, because uh, he also appears in Road Dogs, which takes place like after he gets out of jail for what happens at the end of Out of Sight. Hmm. But he is kind of an idiot. He's yeah. a little bit of a like Which a is a up. little... Which is... Yeah. I mean, that tramp parlays perfectly into the one that's going to come two years later and Oh Brother, we're out there. Well, he's, he thinks he's the smartest dude in the room, and he's probably the dumbest. But you'll and never tell are, him that. I mean, those... and, that's, and he seamlessly rolls through all of those characters. Yeah, no. All of the Cohen collaborations I love yeah. because you get... And it's a shade that you never were ever going to see on ER. No. Because he was the coolest cat in the room in every single season that he was in. There was never a... There was never a competing like, oh no, this is, you know... This is the Doug rival who like might replace him or could be our replacement. You get that Doug. with Luca when Goran Vishnik comes. But that's in what, right afterwards. Yeah, he comes on right afterwards. Literally, like a couple of episodes later, he's see. I thought he's Luca walking was in. Like he walks like, in right at the beginning of the two thousands, like right when I started watching. But he, maybe he was just getting more featured by that time. Well, because Luca comes in and he's a thing, and she tells him like, "Hey, Ross is left." I, if you want it, you can have it full time. Like you don't have to moonlight for us. If you want to come and be an attending over here. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And of course he meets with Carol. He gets with Carol. Carol finds out she's pregnant. She's going to have Doug's babies and poor, (laughs) poor Luca, because it's like all these women that are like, oh my God, you know, Dr. Kovac, they like leave. I guess. Yeah. Kovac was kind of the, he's the next heartthrob. Yeah. So to speak. And Noah Wiley kind of grows into, into I, that a I, bit. I, I would say this for anybody who's going to watch ER all the way through. 
watch that show with Carter as the main character in mind. It is an ensemble. Yeah. But pretend that Carter is Michael Crichton moving from a career from med school all the way to what he becomes at the end of it all. And we can talk about that because we'll, it'll come up eventually. But yeah, P.S. everybody, you're going to get a lot of ER talk yeah. in these episodes. Yeah, but this is this is kind of our table setter yeah. again because we're not we're focusing on the guest stars. But we figured this is a great way to intro it. Yeah. So because we may want up doing one where there's like you know we talk about something like I don't know doing so talk Darny Darko. I don't. I, I wish Noah Wiley was in more movies. That's all I'm trying to say. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, he's one of the greats. So I mean, how deep do we want to go into Out of Sight, the movie, or are we more approaching these? I feel like with the guest stars, it's going to be more in exploring that, right? the movies themselves, rewatching them. Some of them mm-hmm. will probably be first timers, depending on uh, where yeah. we go. And another question: Are we going to break the ten-year rule in the case of people like? I mean, I don't want to spoil until we get to the episode yeah. we're doing, but like some of these actors who appear in stuff like post two thousands, like, are okay. we gonna are we gonna pick like a movie they had a bit part in? that's 10 years old or are we just gonna like it's it's the summer in the er all bets are off yeah, we can pick whatever ER. anything can come through that that's door my now. thoughts as well okay yeah when you I got lo- a, when you got a trauma, i love it anything can anything come. can come through that door um guys you gotta get over to patreon you're gonna hear awesome like i i did intro music for it it's good like, i can't wait to hear it yeah um it's gonna be good it's gonna be professional it's gonna be worth your five dollars for the month well i I don't. We have never talked about out of sight because that's the only problem I'm going to run into. Is like I feel like we may have talked about some of the ones I have planned, but we haven't talked about out of sight. I'm sure it's come up because it's. I mean, it's a movie I rewatch probably at least like once every two years. So I can give you. We just do like main main plot time real quick. Foley Jack Foley is a bank robber, a gentleman bank gentleman bank robber. He's so polite to the lady. He's like, hey, that's my partner. One of the best opening scenes in the history. And to see where you see where you get from later in the movie with that. I'm like, this is fucking finish your plot time. I'm sorry. I'm already geeking. No, we're fine. So basically, Jack Foley, unfortunately, you know, gets caught in a bank robbery, sent to prison um, where he essentially breaks out. And, you know, just by happenstance and pure luck. Happens to kidnap a federal marshal, uh, Karen Sisko. You got it. God damn, I'm good. And I watched the movie like three weeks ago. Um, <sighs> and so as part of the escape plan has to basically, you know, be in the trunk with her. It turns the charm on effortlessly. And, you know, everybody knows they've talked about it. Karen shot the last guy that she was with because, you know, he was dating a, an FBI agent. And, you know, all this while, you know, wasn't until he actually broke bad and became a bad dude that she had to shoot him. But for whatever reason, Karen can't do it this time. I forget which book that is, but yeah. yeah. She's another, that's the other thing I love about Elmore Leonard. And I haven't even read all the connected no, books. No, I want to see what, I want to delve Foley, Karen Sisko, there's precursor books for uh, like Ordell and. Uh, Jackie Brown and um, Beaumont yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I did thought that was one of my favorite things about this. Because what this movie has that I think elevates it is it's obviously Dennis Farina. I mean, I mean, it makes everything like 10 times better. Yeah. I love, 
But anyway, so and yeah, so Foley and through yeah, finish the plot. <laughs> Foley, so Foley's like, okay, you know, there was a guy in prison that that I knew that had a lot of diamonds, a lot of gold, whatever. We're gonna we Albert need to, Brooks. We'll talk about him later. Yeah, we we're gonna need to get to his place to get these things, and we may or may not have to make a few weird stops on the way. Ving Rhames is his partner and buddy, buddy, and uh, buddy has this like weird predilection to like have to call and confess the crimes that they committed afterwards. And you find out the only reason they went to prison was because he did it beforehand. And it's just, it's, he's lovable. Every, it, these guys are fucking lovable. They're like, yes, they're bank robbers. Yeah. And, but you but have, they are surrounded by some genuine bad motherfuckers. AKA Mr. Don Cheadle. Yes. Snoop. Who, who I'm sorry. That dude. It's like the, it's like a, no, no, it's like, it's a few years off of, uh, Dealt with blue dress, right? It's like somebody told him when he, it's like he woke up the morning of the audition for devil blue dress. He looked in the mirror and some entity said, you are going to get X chances to do this. You need to be on point every time. And it's just every time that camera is on, that motherfucker is just on. And he is amazing. I have never like, I don't know about that traitor movie. I don't know if he's good in that or not, but I'm pretty sure like he's the only, if it's shit, it's because everybody else around him is shit. <laughs> he's doing this best he can to hold the whole thing together. But like, that's one of those dudes that I'm like, no one, I'm, I'm sure no, I say no one gives him credit. I'm sure people who matter give him the credit, but I don't hear his name mentioned a lot for stuff. And it's a shame. Cause that dude is like one of the best for me. <coughs> Again, I may not be reading the right magazines. I don't know, but you know, yeah. because uh, Don Cheadle shows up on ER for a little bit. Yeah, as a you know oh, patient I, with I palsy. Remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. And when asked he why he did it, he did it problem. just to say he could, because he wanted to challenge himself, and that's just the kind of dope okay. guy he is. But, okay. Oh, and Steve's on. So you can't forget Steve's on. Steve's on, of course. Well, but yeah, you you've seen it. If you're if you're listening this far, you've probably seen Out of Sight. Mm-hmm. I would take it. I just want to shout out before we go too much further. Yeah. Because he's a huge candidate, at least for me. You know, once upon a time, we used to do director-centric series. Soderbergh, is that who you... John Carpenter, uh, Robert Rodriguez, and Mr. Mr. Michael Michael Mann. Mann. Uh, Soderbergh definitely would have been on my short list of people I would like to do at some point. But goddamn, he has so many movies. Wait, are they movies or are they films? He's got a nice mix of both. I just wanted to say, I don't know... I like throw me some other five movie runs that are better than out of sight in 98 into mm-hmm. the limey in 99 Ooh. followed by the one two punch of Aaron Brockovich and traffic in 2000 and he caps it off with, with oceans, oceans 11 yeah <laughs> and then there's full frontal right afterwards which you know one of his weaker efforts but then you got Solaris right behind it oh yeah which I love uh, another Clooney collab. So, uh, but yeah, interesting topic. Five movie runs. That's a pretty strong one, I yeah. would say. I would. Uh, I'd, yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, one of my absolute faves. Uh, just brilliant guy. Way too smart for his own good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, makes makes it look too easy. He's one of those guys, right? Personally. And it's like if it's too easy to and you, just it's like, a movie. But and if just it's like refuses amazing, it's a film. refuses to quit. 
right. innovating, even though he's retired like two or three I was times. Say, just keeps only, like yeah. finding ways to keep it interesting for himself. I I get excited anytime he makes anything, um, and this is this is definitely I would say in my top five Soderbergh, which is saying something. Endlessly rewatchable, um, just a total vibe. And again, he if we want to still stay at the Soderbergh angle for a second. He is doing a lot of precursor work for what you're about to see in the Limey when he goes absolutely hog wild with the editing yes. of his movies and the construction of it. Mm-hmm. He's playing around with it here, and you get the most obviously like memorable is when uh, Foley and Karen meet up again after their initial encounter mm-hmm. a few weeks down the line in a hotel, and they just act as normal people. It's the most iconic scene in the movie. I feel like, yeah, more so than the trunk scene. I do because of because of the editing in it, and you can sit there and say, it's he's kind of just riffing on Nicholas Rogue in uh, Don't Look Now, the Donald Sutherland Julie Christie sex scene, yeah. where it's like it's happening as they're getting ready simultaneously. Like you're seeing the bef- the before sex and the after sex intercut with the sex itself right. and it's all just a splashy montage of everything happening simultaneously right. almost um and it's weird that like not even how many years ago did she do the one or it's, or does the one with nicholson come after this the one we covered blood and wine yeah blood and wine predates this by like two i think it's a 96 yeah movie. it's so crazy because it's like she burst on the scene with selena I mean, people knew, people probably knew Jennifer Lopez was. But people were able to wrap their heads around that, I feel like, because of, oh, she's singing, she's, right. it's a it's a biopic, Wait, there's things was, to lean she on. She danced for But I don't, I don't think people were like, I mean, I think people were like, oh, she's a star, but I don't think they quite knew what to do with her, what her capabilities were. Until this, and that's one of the and, reasons why and, I picked it too. And that's the other thing too, is I feel like she had a great little run going from this to The Cell, which I still think is an incredibly oh, underrated yeah. movie, and she's super strong in. But it never, like, I'm trying to think. Let's well, we forget ex- Anaconda? Well, no? excuse me. Yeah, Anaconda is a huge hit when it comes yes. out, right? Does really well. Oh, yeah. And then she has Made Manhattan when she transitions more into the rom-com area, which is a huge hit again. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like she kind of stayed in that space for a while. And well, there's I, Enough in there. I, That's a good one. I forget Enough. Yes. How can we forget? Is Billy Campbell the shitty husband in that? Yes. Yes. That was a big... I feel like that was on HBO when we, like, had HBO for a time. Right. You remember yeah. when we were just, yeah. That and uh, Domestic Disturbance, I feel like, were back-to-back things on oh, HBO yeah. back then. Yeah. I don't uh, like Vince Vaughn as a bad guy early on, but, like, later, give me all Simmy's in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I might need to go back and take a peek at that yeah. one. Uh, because I say that because Dragged Across Concrete played, like, three times while I was down in Florida. And I was like, I'm just going to stall uh, even I'm here. i give that another watch, too. Oh, dude. I was like... I'm. I watched the movie in three different segments because like three different nights it was on at different times. And I was like, Oh, I caught it here. I'll watch to the end. Next time I fell asleep in the middle and then I caught the middle on the third go round. So I technically watch it again just to right. like, you know, um, okay. But yeah, I don't know where you, where you want to go. I, I got lost in that, uh, that scene, yeah. but I feel like, I don't think she's ever topped this. I feel like it's perfect marriage of character and, her performance, but I, yeah, I don't know that anybody's ever given her the opportunity to, to do something like this until I guess people loved Hustlers as this big like comeback performance for her. I didn't 
really get it, I guess. Yeah. I thought she was totally fine in it, but it didn't. And, and I don't even really know. It's hard to separate in here what's her performance versus like just the character of Karen Sisko. Because notably, they try to do a series with uh, Carla Gugino, if I remember correctly. Huh. Right? In like the early 2000s, I feel like it's one of those one and done Possibly, seasons. Yeah. It was either like USA or it may have been a Fox show. My, if they it, tried to get it going for a bit and it never really took on. And I buy that's the thing is like I buy her as that because of how it's written. Because they go into like, okay, she's dating Ray, but Ray's also still married. So maybe he's kind of like flighty. Maybe he's not there. And I didn't know until this rewatch that that's supposed to be Jackie Brown's Ray. And that's that's yeah. one of my favorite bits of that at all. That Tarantino was like, no, 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 let let you know, no, no fee, let him be in this. This is an Elmore Leonard character. We have to do, because I love when he shows up and Farina's like, hey Ray, you ever try wearing a shirt that says undercover? I'm <laughs> just like, huh? Well, it's so. And then whatever the fuck they're talking about when he comes, she comes back inside and they're talking about, I don't get it. It's just this, and I'm like, I want to know. I want that conversation. I want more of him in the movie. The, the thing I love about it is you come in with the foreknowledge of Jackie Brown. This is a total out of sight falls. It's a Sycamore movie for me. This is right around when I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I can rent anything R-rated I want. I'm watching the other Tarantino movie that I haven't seen yet. Because mm-hmm. Kill Bill had not come out at that point. No. It was like right on the horizon. But at that point, there was only the three and then four rooms from Dust to the tangential stuff. Yeah. But... um. You come in with the foreknowledge, and it's like the way Keaton, it, the character is not inconsistent, but this just gives you another shade of him where right. it's like he seems like big swinging dick, like owns the room in Jackie Brown, like always going to get his man, like mm-hmm. fucking super cop. Yeah. That's the vibe. And then Michael Bowen in that movie, you're like, fuck this dude. Yeah. But, anyways. Um, so then you see him in this and you see like Farina basically like fuck this guy and you're like oh yeah okay he is he's a hot shot mm-hmm. but you don't get that from Jackie Brown because you're not getting the uh, you're not getting how other people see him you're right. just seeing this one angle exactly and everything so I, I loved it for that alone where it was like it's adding dimensionality to this character and he's a supporting player in this even though he is supporting in Jackie Brown but like it was at the time it was like Oh, the two, the comeback movie. It's like De Niro didn't. De Niro was already having a great '90s, regardless. Right. People, it wasn't a comeback movie for him. It was, if anything, it was a departure. It was a weird role to put him in, right? Because it's so quiet and like. But yeah, but Jackie Brown is like, hey, hey, he did this for Travolta. Keaton, here yeah, you go. Keaton is that in that movie, yeah, for sure. Um, and then it didn't really have the same effect. And then same thing with Forrester. Like Forrester got cast and more stuff. Here's what I was going to say. One of the great ones. Dude, uh, absolutely. R.I.P. as well. Bob Porter. Dude, I want to get my hands on this Karen Sisko show because I remember it now, but I did not remember all of these people. So it was an ABC show. Disney. Put it on Disney+. Plus. Let what us, was the name Let us get it? that shit. It's just called Karen Sisko. Really? Yes. Carla Gugino is Karen Sisko. Bill Duke. Okay. What? As Amos Andrews. Her, who I think is in, is represented in some way in Out of Sight, but I can't quite remember. And then Robert Forster is in fucking Karen Sisko. What? 
as Marshall Zisco, as her father, subbing in for Farina. Oh, okay. I would totally watch. There's only 11 episodes. Dude, Like, yeah. if they're on YouTube, I'm going to check that shit out, dude. Bill Duke and Robert Forrester. Yeah. Like, and I love Carla Gugino. And I could see her subbing into that character the way she that is fit, Yeah, that fits. Yeah. Um, But again, I think Jennifer Lopez is, like, literally out of sight in dude, this role. She totally is. Um, One of my favorite Steve Zahn performances. Just oh, a yeah, fun, man. Yeah. <laughs> just really a complete... Great moron like just a great dumb guy yeah in this situation um it's kind he, of akin to the the chris tucker beaumont character yes. in jackie brown in is many he, ways honestly is rescue dawn a big deal for him no well i see people talk about like that movie and his performance in that and it's like oh yeah steve's on this i'm like he's he's just He's the he's Steve Zahn. Dude. He's Steve Zahn. He's always great. Yeah, I mean, name me a bad Steve Zahn performance. I can't. I I'll can't wait. Think of one man. It's not. Yeah. It's it's, you know. And it's so weird because it's the like man he, does whatever the role requires and he does it. Serviceable journeyman. He puts his hard hat on every day and goes to work like the rest of the actors who make it. But this, I mean, this is this is top five Zahn right oh, yeah. here, baby. I mean, this is right up here with Joyride. Yes, uh, right up there with uh, that thing you do. Oh God, yes. Uh, what, what other what other Zons do we like? Uh, there's one. Where are the other big Zons? <laughs> is he? Dude, where's my car? No. Is, it is he in it for a bit? I don't know. What's there's one? Sean in. William Scott and Kutcher, it but he is. might be in it for a second. There's one he's in that I'm like this one. I'm, I'll go to the map dude. I love that IMDb has Joyride in the top four. Good as well it should be. What are the other three? Rescue Dawn is in there. Never seen it. It's good. I saw it in the theater because I was that was at the height of like Christian Bale is the new Daniel Day Lewis. I must see everything that he does. And also, I was like, I hear this Werner Herzog is somebody I should be aware of. But I think I had watched like maybe His one voice Herzog is something that is very hard to replicate. You are, you are all cowards. You, you should use the use the puppet. Mr. Reacher. <laughs> I don't... He's... Dude, that guy should just narrate everything. Like, stop making movies. Just fucking yeah. narrate shit. Are you going to guess the other two? I cannot. I could not for the life of me guess the you other You would two. never guess one of these. What is it? Uh, it is the third in a subsequent trilogy to an old school franchise from the 70s sci-fi franchise. He doesn't play a human. He plays a bad ape. Oh, plant, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? War. War, war for, the, for planet, the Planet of the Apes. The third, okay. Yes. All right. Uh, and the other one is a, uh, I want to see if this was actually successful. I remember this as a big, like, summer blockbuster starring two well-known dudes. Sahara? You nailed it. And no. I just uh, $130 million estimated budget. Gross 66 U.S., uh, made a worldwide just under 120. I just remember this. Scene. Never saw it. Me neither. I see the but trailer. But you know that poster. You can see it in your head. And I can like, see the trailer of them being like, put down your guns. And he's got a gun in like every the, crevice of his body. Yeah, you can see the amber filter over everything. Yes. And the, uh, yeah, it looks like everybody is baking constantly. McConaughey is at his peak tanness. Pre, uh, <laughs> oh my God. I just ruined my Beach own bone? joke. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for being there for me, brother. Appreciate it. I'm going to be there 
in August in Key West. <laughs> it's going to okay. be great. Hell I'll be yeah. looking for him. Um, you find him. Yeah. Find him. Yeah. Um, um, out of sight. I, I, what would you give it out of 10? Out of, what, what's, your, what's your ranking? Oh, this is a classic for me. I mean, I, I, I hesitate to go like full on 10 out of 10 just from a pure, like, I think, I think there's better Soderbergh. I think he tops a lot of the stuff he's doing. Like okay, well, how about how about filmmaking this? wise? It's a it's a rock solid nine. Okay, nine nine's, nine's good. Nine's I love Out of Sight though. When one of my done, fa- I mean one of my favorite get, movies. When we but, get done, yeah, we'll decide which one of these should you see. You got two patients that jumped in the ER. Both of them are critical. Which one do you go for first? Okay, we'll do it that. Which way. one requires more attention? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay, because what's I could, ailing them? Yeah, right. Okay. What's eating? Okay. Okay, if we're approaching it that way, just because we're flying by the seat of our pants here, are there is there anything that doesn't work about Out of Sight? Anything that didn't age well for you on the rewatch? Um, we don't really do this ever. Yeah, it I mean, comes up naturally, but yeah, if you had, is there anything that I mean, you can say no, but no, I mean, it all it still plays everything. Uh, the Albert Brooks is fine with me. Don Don Chief, I love Don Albert Chief, Brooks in the like later half of his career, right. Like, this is a different mode, and this is almost bridging the gap between his, like, you know, Albert Brooks fucking defending your life and, like, all that shit, like, his self-written stuff. But it's like a transitional point into, like, he's playing a criminal, but he's, like, a white-collar criminal. Right. And then, like, straight up a little little bit further down from here, we're going to have Drive, and then I don't know if you ever saw A Most Violent Year with uh, Chastain and Oscar Isaac, but he also is... uh, more in that mode. It keeps coming up on good. HBO Max as something I would like, so I probably need to watch it. You would enjoy it. I think. I'm sure. Definitely more my vibe, but I feel like you would enjoy it. Yeah. Um, no, nothing doesn't work for me. I, it's again, it's one of the, these. Where no, like, again, I think this is a perfect like end to end movie. There's is, nothing I would cut from it. It is both seamlessly dated, but not dated because you're not given a time frame, but you do know there is the existence of cell phones. But it doesn't give you the idea that, like, this would never happen because, like, you know, prisons are, like, really amped up a lot, you know, after 9-11. So, but it's still, it oddly, it works in this thing of, like, this is just all this stuff happening. And I can, one of the things I do when we do these, and I don't really mention a lot, is, like, the couple of screenplay classes I took at USC... They always just talked about like, and then this happens, and then this, and then this, and then this. And like, you need to have an action that like keeps this thing going forward, but in a way that like isn't going to take away from your overall arc, but like it's still going to like never, you never feel like you're seated and you're good, you know, and you can just kind of chill here. You kind of want to have something going. So, you know, they, you know, they leave her in the car and they, you know, Steve Zahn bails on them. You know, she shoots her way out of the car. They got to do this. They got to so. And you know, they barely miss each other at the hotel. Then, like, she has the dream sequence about him, and then they meet up. Dude, we didn't even talk about Foley's ex-wife. Oh uh, yeah, the magician's assistant. Oh yeah, played by Catherine Keener, who's incredible. And the scene where Louis Guzman he just wants to know what's to come. Is basically trying to kill her. The carriage shows up, but like that whole interplay, dude. I thought that oh. no, that's um, that's not. Is that his ex-wife or is that his ex-partner or like business? That's his ex-wife. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Rain. Yeah. Louis. You mean yeah? Luis Guzman. Just you know, 
Hola, mami. I just want to know how you do this. I'm not one of those. Uh, that's that's the thing with Out of Sight. Like like you were saying about Farina, it is populated by people who make the movie ten times better, and there's a bunch of them in one movie. So you've got Farina. You got Michael Keaton. You got Luis Guzman. When have you ever been mad or upset or not elated to see Luis Guzman just show up in anything? I mean, he is one I, of the... I'm going to tell you, I was getting a little bored with the Count of Monte Cristo. He shows up as his dude, boy. I'm like, dude, I'm back in this. Let's keep going. He is just a like a perfect addition to anything you put him in. Never, ever not excited to see that yes. guy. He's one of those people. We should have a separate list of like, but Farina is on that list. I, they're not, it's not a that guy thing because there are those people where you're just like, Oh, I know it's that an, guy. Oh I shit! That. This, this motherfucker's in here. It's an. Oh. It's just like we're in good hands. Like yeah. The and it also simultaneously, if you see multiple of them start cropping up in a movie, you're like, well, this director knows what he's doing, or this casting director clearly does, yeah. because like they they know what I know. This person fucking rocks in everything. Yeah. This person is never bad. Um, but yeah. No, that yeah no that's a the, the we're and getting. it's just people coming to, again. The fact that like Catherine Keener is like what like 10 rungs down the the cast mm-hmm. list on here i'm just like it's so stacked everybody comes into play it's just a fun vibe of a movie it's a little more heavy than oceans i think that's the thing why ultimately i don't know why i'm comparing the two but they're so aesthetically no, connected. You, no yeah and yeah i mean i mean if you think about it i mean it's essentially you know he gets his own way out of prison whereas like oceans is just all right he's out yeah but you definitely like the way they end it with her basically making sure that he's going away with a guy who's known for getting out well i again fantastic i love any time sam jackson shows up uncredited yes which happens a lot actually of course <laughs> but yeah, yeah you're just like who else would i like to see in the back of this van right now oh yeah no make it's it like the coolest you know motherfucker it on the entire it's like planet. it's almost as if like Sam was it at Quentin's when they got the call about like, hey, you that know that connection too you know, of the fact that he's the, yeah, already no, in got, the the they, Leonard verse. That yes. too, he could. I mean, you know, I I don't make it Mordell, but still, like, it's almost as if like Sam was at Quentin's house, and somebody called, hey, there's this thing with like Keaton in this new Soderbergh guy's movie, and they're like, no, 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 do that. He hangs up the phone, and Sam's like, what, what, what's Soderbergh, and like, what. Omar, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, yeah, well, they got a, you know, character, this and that. Oh, okay. And just by happenstance, somebody puts it out there like, yo, if, if you need Sam for like, you know, he's he's available for the afternoon. You want to just throw him? Yes, we do. You know, <laughs> boom. And he's there. And it's yeah. just like, oh, okay. You know. Okay. Um, we got a shout out. Oh, I, we do have the weird. It's a weird Gray's connection, right? Right. Because it's is Isaiah Washington, mm-hmm. who he's the one who did he get kicked off of Grace yes. because of the, the yes. whole who was the other actor? I can't remember. He used the F slur. We won't repeat it here. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> yeah, that's just a one of those weird, yeah, six degrees of separation thing that he ends up on Gray's way down the road. But what did he even make it five seasons? Before that I don't happened, know. I don't I know. I, I just track. remember that being a huge story at the time, well, where it was like I never watched an episode of that show, but I knew when that happened. That was like a, a huge thing. 
and because we may not go back, we may go to Miami. We may not may not go back to the ER. Tr night. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah, that sounds something right. like that. I know he was. A, yeah. Okay. You can track in ER when Grace comes out because there is an episode about three weeks after Grace premiered. I tracked this, where Neela is doing a surgery thing, and they say, um, "Oh yeah, he." There's they talk about this surgeon who like he has a compulsion. And they're like, oh, yeah, around the office, they call him McCreamy because he has to go jerk off. And I'm like, okay, they're obviously throwing shade and making fun of like Grey's Anatomy. But it's almost like very soon they realize, shit, we need to get out of the game because (laughs) like people seem to love this stuff. And I get what it is. People want the doctors and their personal lives. They don't want the bloody patients because we've had almost 10 years of bloody patients and children dying and AIDS and, you know viral outbreaks and helicopters falling on people and shit like we've had all that now we want to know what's like when they go home and so it's interesting that towards the latter part if you watch that last series you get more and more of these things of these people at home but i also think like it's such a giant cast you can't give everyone their comeuppance at home so you have to start like kind of thinning the herd in terms of who you're getting involved and who you're caring with caring about the most and i think that's the thing that Grays did because like i'm like that's great that, that it's about the doctors and like their love lives and all this shit but like i watch er because like it almost felt as real as possible like i don't think we can go on record as saying our mother watched er and then our mother quit her job and became a nurse yeah not in a trauma er but that's the shit she'd love to do the most oh yeah if i gotta put a needle in if i gotta poke it i gotta cut it yeah i'll do that but she ultimately went into like, you know, cancer and hospice treatment, and all that kind of stuff. But still, like, give me a number of how many self-admitted people in the 90s saw that show and thought, holy shit, I, I bet I could that. do that. Yeah. You know, the same way that, you know, a ton of fucking people saw Top Gun and were like, I think I'd like to join the Navy. It's the biggest recruiting <laughs> tool for the Navy in the 80s, hands down. Or people who were like, I want to be in the Air Force. And then they were like, that's not, that's not the same thing. Right. Yeah. Wait, they get to, they, wait, they don't, they don't go in the water? No. Why, why don't I want to be the one in the Navy? You got to oh. see Maverick so we can talk about it. I, de- I definitely want to. Third and, favorite movie of the year. Right? And that can, tra- the, the, the Maverick Top Gun angle can trans- transitions us into, there was an actor who started <laughs> in ER named Anthony Edwards who had already had somewhat of a, a big career when it came to being in movies. And whereas Clooney starts on this show and starts making movies, it's almost the reverse with Edwards where he'd been in hits and then and he this decided is still, this is still in a period of time where yes, an actor of granted, not his like incredible stature or anything, but an actor essentially like signing on for a television series after they had been in movies would have been seen as like a, Oh, we're putting oh, you out to pasture. Oh man, great! Oh, I feel bad for well, Anthony. Listen, he's we'll see you at he's the going Oscars out for when you get your lifetime achievement. You know, yeah, the doctor show with the guy that made Jurassic Park, wrote Jurassic Park. Okay, but right. I feel like if you're a casting director and you again, we're the kind of people we're talking about who would have cast something like Out of Sight. But if you're somebody who watched movies in the '80s or whatever, and we're like, there's something about this guy, dude. There was oh. This popped up. I need to tell you this before we jump into it. Please do. This, something popped up after all the things I watched the VR. It's a HBO Western 
where he plays like a a dainty like he's like a uh anthony edwards is like a school teacher and this bad outlaw gang comes through town and winds up like taking you know this young girl that he's like interested in el diablo yes el diablo you know who wrote that teleplay uh, yeah i know you can tell them the, the yeah that man right there that's what clued me into it and i was like how did I never? For the know listeners this? who can't see us because we don't film this and it's not a visual podcast, yeah, we are we're pointing to our framed signed photograph of Mr. John Carpenter, yes. the patron saint of the Archive Network. Yes, you would not have a network if it was not for that man. Um, yeah, I had no idea, and it popped up, and I started watching. I was like, "This is actually pretty fucking good." I've had it saved on my HBO Max okay, list because I, when we were doing Carpenter, it's like, yeah, that was one of the random credits that's like, fucking, it's like wrote eyes of Laura Mars as well. And like, you have a handful of those where it's like, Oh yeah. He had story by or script credit on this or that or whatever. It's and like, it's like, Oh, dues he was always he supposed to, to yeah. do a Western. Right. Always wanted to do a Western. This is the closest he See, ever kind of got. This is why I want, we can talk about this later. I want to start a petition. We can talk about the petition later. Cause you, you probably don't want me to tell you what the petition is on, on, on Mike. Cause you don't want to get into it. It's ridiculous. Um, it's a petition to get him to come back to make one final film because the last film can't be the ward with Amber Heard. I can't have it. I won't stand for it. That's the petition. Change.gov. Let's get the signatures out there. One more movie. Doesn't have to be anything big, but I can't let your last movie in your career be the ward with Amber Heard. I get it. You were telling us all along. The girl's crazy. Got it. You put it in your movie. That's great. But no one listened to you because no one saw the ward. I need you to have one last hit. Go out in a blaze of glory. Everybody's making westerns now. There's been like three Billy the Kid movies. Make your western. Dude, your real he western. He is busy playing Elden Ring, all right, dude? And he's going to be busy with it for quite a while. That's fine. I've already put 100 hours in myself. I did just beat Jedi Order. And, um... Fallen Order? Fallen Order. The first one. The second one's not out yet, right? right? No, I beat. I went back and beat that. Okay. And, um... This is Gaming Corner. Yeah, Sifu. This is part of Summers in the ER. We're going to talk about video games I downloaded uh, FIFA 11. Well, whenever you want to play. Yeah, I'll let you know. Can I 11? You mean 22, right? Sure. I'm thinking winning 11. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been Video Game Corner. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Elden Ring's dope. I'm taking a long break from it. I've taken like two weeks off. I started replaying levels of Hotline Miami to wrong number. Because it's summertime. Right. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Going back to Miami. <coughs> okay. I'm not going to lie to you. No, I've watched, I've put Miami Vice on every night I've gone to sleep. Like I'll watch stuff, but when I'm done carrying, I put okay, Miami Vice I, It's on. already settled, but yeah. I'm I'm so excited for next year when yeah. I can finally watch some Miami Vice. Yeah. Okay. So the Summer next... reruns. <laughs> <laughs> but Glenn, how are you going to watch Miami, you Miami, Miami Vice? Vice? Summer. Reruns, <laughs> um, which is perfect because summers in the ER. These are all going to be reruns because the show ended almost ten years. Uh, more than do 10 years they ago. rerun it anywhere now? It is on one of we those. We of course like, grew hot, up. It was always on TNT t- in the mornings. It's, Mom like, says she's caught it on several like uh, whatever channels. I mean, I'm, the I'm glad to know alone. it's still yeah. in the rotation. Yeah. Um, so again, with with Anthony Edwards, you have someone who had had moderate success coming into this. He has a pretty much a non-speaking role in fast times but you'll recognize him in yeah. there revenge of the nerds we don't have to go into it but big deal for him i mean he's <laughs> the second lead yeah um the less creepy of the two robert carradine sorry but but you yeah. know 
Uh, gotcha, I feel like. It was like, yeah. it was all right. And then Top Gun. Yeah. Iconic role as Goose. Yes. Here's the thing, though. And I... I guess maybe it was a money thing. I, I Maybe it was a big hit, and they were like, why not? This is what you do with comedies. But I feel like, why did he make Revenge of the Nerds too? post-Top Gun? Like, he didn't need that. I don't think he's in that, though. He is. Full on? Nerds in Paradise. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe it was a contract thing. I don't... Maybe he Would had. they have contracted them, though? I feel like that was just an indie sex comedy. They didn't know that was going to be anything. Well, did the, the but who, is it in the wake of Porky's? Because maybe they did know that, that know. was a maybe that was the plan. I don't know. You never. I mean, you never know why these things happen. I'm sure you could dig it up and figure it out. But I know maybe it's the third one. He's like there for a minute and then he leaves. Yeah, I don't know. But he's. I know one of them. One of them technically he's supposed to be in. He's only at the beginning. It's and just like weird that that's a year prior to the movie that we're here to talk about, which is 1988's Miracle. Kind of a notorious movie for us personally, because I, I don't know about you, or maybe this was just my perspective on it. I felt like this was a movie I knew about and had seen sequences from, but was still kind of notorious in my mind, where I was like, I knew there was this movie yeah, with Mark Green from ER uh-huh. that was vaguely about the end of the world. And then I remember it was on stars for a time. Yeah. But I feel like I kept catching it at weird points and never quite saw it. And then rewatching it this time, it unlocked something for me. Um, there are two movies that I remember seeing bits of as a kid in Japan that I did not have context for. Things that mom and dad were watching. Mm-hmm. Probably rented on VHS from the the shop at or whatever the video store was there. There was a video store. This has come back in my memory. There was a video store. Mm-hmm. Yes. There was one in the, the shop at. Right. And that strip in between the, the youth center and, and the high school and the towers. Right. But there was an actual video store. It was pretty small, but I remember Yeah. there being an actual one. Okay. Yeah. Just that crap back in my brain. Anyways. And then you could rent two, them from the two Yujo movies community center. That have, or excuse me, three movies actually. And Two of them I have been able to cross off my list. One of them was The Abyss. Yes. Okay. Which I finally had context for. I was like, okay. I get what that's... It was Ed Harris trying to revive her. I did right. not know what the fuck was going on as a kid. Yeah. Okay. And that sequence goes on forever. And I remember just seeing it out of context and not knowing what the hell was going on. Me too, yeah. So The Abyss was one. Poltergeist was another. Yes. The Red Room sequences towards the end, I remember being haunted by as a kid. I watch them now, and it's a fun in a nostalgia way, but not scary at all. But at the time, it was probably the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Okay. And the third one, I am convinced, is Miracle Mile, because I had seen, I remember vividly, how this movie ends. Right. Like, I remember that sequence of them trapped underwater, essentially, with the water coming in. Yeah, and that dialogue and everything, right? And yeah, I and I'm like, did mom and dad what would? In my brain, it exists as a Japan memory, but maybe I will tell you this: this is one of those that I saw sight unseen with no internet. I didn't know what it was, and it just happened to come on, and. It was it was HBO or something. It, it was either at Plantation, or it was like 
when we first got to Whisperwood. But I remember watching it, and it solely for the telephone sequence is probably in my top five of like complete fucking left turn movies. I love I I could talk about left turn like from Dust Till Dawn is in there. Yeah, if you don't know, you know first time like once i wish i could watch for the first time again because of the with you know sight unseen just to experience it and i'm hoping that people didn't because i'm feeling like a lot of people got this and maybe sequences from night of the comet mixed up because they are the, so talk about the perfect sim- double feature yeah that would be a great double feature for like just la a, desolate la, LA at right. night movies yes that are, don't immediately come to mind okay Set, please do plot time um, for Miracle. So while on a trip to the Museum of Natural History uh, near the La Brea Tar Pits, uh, Sax works there, right? No, he's just visiting. He's a musician. He plays the trombone. He's just in that blue suit because that's what he's wearing. That's what he's going to wear to Does his event Does she later. work there? She's visiting. They're both visiting the, visiting it because he's like pretending to be a tour guide. It's a very I, I mean, I remember it's a, like a meet yes, cute. They okay. they they both just happen to be visiting. It's a very oddly edited sequence. Yes, if you'll um, give me that, and it is literally like the first sequence in the movie. Yes. So, um, our our main man, Anthony Edwards, Harry Washo, Washello, Washello. Sorry, I named a song after him. Barry. Yeah. Okay. You're gonna hear it at the opening of this episode. Harry. We're just gonna call him Harry. He meets. Um, God, what is her name? The actress. Mayor Winningham. It's Mayor Winningham. I don't Which know. Which she is dating now, by the way. Yeah. After all these years. Yeah. Crazy. Um, Julie. Is that her name? Sounds right. Julie. It's got to be Julie. Tell me it's Julie. It's I'm, I'm, weird I'm working on it. I'm not a weird friend's phone's connection. about to die. Oh, wow. Anyway. Um, anyway, he meets her in a meet cute. And they, you know, they're like, they're, you know, they spend all this time together. It's not much time together, but it's pretty fast to where like. The people she works with knows about him, and like you know, you know, he meets some of her family, and they decide. Her parents very quickly. Grandparents. Grandparents, excuse yeah. me. Yes, um, and by happenstance, the grandparents don't speak to each other from from you know an old thing. So they agree that they're going to meet up after she gets off work at where she works at her diner job, and unfortunately, you know, uh, happenstance of like you know some some animal eating wires and like the, the power goes out he wakes up three hours later he thinks it's like only nine o'clock he's got done with his little you know music gig and he doesn't realize till way late that like oh wait and this is one of the brilliant things i love about this movie he looks at the television and it's not on it's running the sound sign off station I identification guess. right or whatever yeah, yeah you know the classic color scheme thing, and that's when yeah, you realize, oh shit, it's had twenty-four hour party, right. It's right. after twelve o'clock, and stuff's g- g- done. So of course he races to the diner. He's late. You know the people who are waiting on him are like, "Come on, man! Like you stood her up. Oh, I fell asleep. Blah blah blah." So just by happenstance, he's outside, kind of trying to figure out what he's going to do. Oh, I got to make it up to her, and the phone, the payphone next to his this place rings. So he answers it. And on the other side of the phone, there's a frightened young kid that tells, trying to find his dad to tell him that he was right. He was sorry, but that basically the end of the world is going to happen in the next hour. Or World War Three. World War Three is going to start. They've already shot their nuclear wad off. They've already sent it over to Russia and we're going to be getting the blowback within an hour, maybe two, three tops. 
And again, watching that unseen, and this is when I'm still in the mindset of like, I'm worried about 2000. Okay. I'm worried about what's going to happen in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. I was a scared Y2K kid. I thought Armageddon was going to happen or a deep impact situation was going to happen. And, you know, I was worried. So to see this sight unseen, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit because I'm like, this is a night. This would be my nightmare to be told that I have less than three hours to figure out a way to survive a nuclear holocaust that's impending. And very quickly, they devolve, like he starts to, he tells the people there. And just by happenstance, one of the women who's in this diner is like, oh, I'm all, I, I'm on it, baby. I know what's going on. I got this connections shit. at I got NORAD. Connections. Let's get very, out of here. Very convenient. Yeah. Great place to be. Yeah. Um, you know? Let's, uh, that's Denise Crosby. Yes. Who you, people may know from Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's the cook? Uh, classic. I know him as the, the he's he's the police captain. We gotta come up. Cop. We have to come up with. Um, we do our our off mic uh, tongue twisters to warm up. Yes, we gotta come up with one for Mister Robert Doquie. Robert Doquie. Yeah. D O capital Q U I. Robert Doquie. All right. Um. Huge favorite of Robert Altman. Uh, pops up kind of across the Altman filmography as well. Huh. I was going to say, I only I mainly say that because I watched Nashville for the first time ever, uh, like about two or three months ago, and he's it's a giant mosaic of cast, of course, but he he stands out and he pops, and I was like, oh dude, RoboCop, and then I I rewatched RoboCop a few weeks after that as well. Yeah. So he's been on my brain, and then I watched Miracle Mile. I was like, oh dude, yeah, I love this guy. Well, then you those are have... kind of your main. The, kind of the only people that pop stand out in that until group. we get uh, Michael T. Williams yes. a little later. Um, so after they dispense, yeah, they dispense. Well, no, we got to no, build they, up to that. No, it's all right. But they dispense with like, is this legit or is it not? And of course, Harry's whole thing is like, I got to get Julie. I got to get her. Like, if I can bring somebody, get her. If I'm back at this location by this time, they I'll, gotta, be, able, a I'll, be, I'll be able to get to a helicopter that'll take me to an airport that I can fly yes. and hopefully we can, you know, we can, we can survive this. So, and that's, I think one of the things I love about the movie itself is that it isn't completely bleak the entire time. There is still this hope. And so there's this running clock, which is great. It's a night movie. It's LA. It's a running clock. And it's just, it's just this wild ride through it. And, you know, we, you know, event shortly after the events of this, when he realizes, wait a minute, we're not driving to her apartment. Like I thought he's got to get off. He's got to go find her. He runs into Michael G. Williams. Yes. There's a whole situation outside of a gas station. Yes. Cops get involved. Who's that dude? Because he is, he's been in shit. And I thought he was one of those guys that was like a legend in Hollywood. He's in heat. Is he not? That's Eddie Bunker. That is Eddie Bunker. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I thought. That guy, if you're if you're not familiar, Eddie Bunker is how Danny Trejo has a career. Yeah, Eddie Bunker is a legit. Eddie Bunker essentially could have been Jack Foley in another life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot less nicer version. But of course, he's in Reservoir Dogs. He was a consultant for a lot of Michael Mann stuff, um, and Blood in Blood Out. That's how he got Trejo in, right? 
Blood in, Blood out is his big. Is it or no? Is it? There was a new time, hard time. I, whatever movie it's a where Eric movie. Stoltz. Yeah, it's a, it's a prison movie with Eric Stoltz because Eddie Bunker was his sponsor. He, he I basically believe. became a consultant on right. a lot of these movies, and yes, he was also a recovering addict as well. Right. And so, yes. But yeah, Eddie Bunker shows as the night watchman at this gas station. Yeah. Maybe vaguely racist, but anything. Every it escalates. Cops. Oh, get involved. I no no. Every, I love it. He was like, yes. man, I'm get. He's like, um, oh man, I ain't got I ain't got a permit for this gun. They give me ten years for this thing. Well, they give me twenty four months in my trunk. It's like okay, <laughs> you know. And then he's like, even an officer is like, this man tried to rob me. I work here. He's like, he's lying, officer. <laughs> just like a fucking classic just, dude. Yeah, just immediately. But somehow, and I'm thinking like. Okay, maybe there's going to be a little chase here or whatever. What I did not expect was for Michael T. Williams to gas up these the cops, cop, yeah. light them on fire, and no. then blow up the entire gas station. He didn't light them on fire because the line is, I had to do it, I had to do it, but they didn't have to shoot. Because her, apparently her she, shooting her gun, yes, the, just that the all spark, happened very the tiniest quick, spark yes. from, from the, the revolver. Lights her up, and it's not until the they right station away blows, blows up. up. Yeah, I like to think Eddie Bunker made it out alive. He's just like, "Fuck <laughs> this, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kind of the first big wow, where you're like, "Oh shit!" Like people are dying now, yeah. because what the movie toys with, and I wish, I really wish they had played more into this. And this is one of the where we get into. I think this movie is an incredibly great concept and a little bit of flawed execution overall and i think is ripe for some sort of modern remake oh yeah um i think it's one of those that we look at where it's like there's things to improve on here there's a great core Mm -hmm. but maybe it all doesn't fully hang together one of the things that i think maybe gets a little more into twilight zone territory i wanted them to play more with like because they're doubting him the whole time and, a lot of it, yeah. And to a certain extent, for a while, you don't know, is something actually going on, or is it the the word of mouth, the fear, the it comes at night sort of thing? Yes. Of the the fear, the paranoia, is the infection. Mm-hmm. Um, she dies tomorrow. Right? Yeah. In, the, in that vein, I think you're... There's a there's untapped potential in this right. to explore because there's there's plenty of people like the guy. What if, what if you maybe you heard something? Maybe it was real. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you weren't even talking to anybody on the phone. But what if just through the sheer power of suggestion or your own paranoia, you whipped up this frenzy around you, right? That starts just splintering out and affecting people. And I, that's what I kept waiting for Mm -hmm. was I was like, oh yeah, but isn't there some dark twist where like the whole end reveal is like, oh no, there were, it was, there were never any nukes launched. Mm -hmm. That guy was crazy on the other end of the phone. And like, but the only thing about it caused all this shit. Well, the only thing about it that I appreciate is that like, eventually like the guy on the end of the phone gets murdered. Like you hear the gunshots, right? you know? And I think you could take that element out and just have the phone line go dead. And it makes the story 10 times better because you have that to play with because he's basically piecing it together. And there are plenty of people who don't believe him. Right. The guy that like he was, um, 
He's or, the shitty dude in Ghostbusters 2 that puts them away. He's Lenny's like second dude. He's the shitty Jack dude from Ghostbusters 2. He's out there on the thing. He's like, I'm, she's fucking paying me three grand for this shit. Like, I'm ready to go home. And then, and you're watching it like, bro, did you not hear why this woman wants to go? Like, does she not tell you the bombs are about to drop? He's more concerned with like, you know, doing that and like just getting the fuck out of there. And oh, then we'll, we'll, where we find him at the end is amazing to me. <laughs> that that gentleman who you're talking about who's ranting, that's Kurt Fuller. And he's been in a million things, but... For me, the thing I just remembered, isn't he the cop in Scary Movie who's like, oh, yes, Cindy, can you take, (laughs) what do you think of these? And he shows her, like, the photo array, and it's just him, like, you know, in, like, lace underwear and shit. Are you remembering this? I think that's him. I think that's definitely Kurt Fuller, and that shit is hilarious. I think I remember, yeah, I think I remember that. You know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Dude's been in a billion things. Um. So yeah, they're kind of, here's the thing as well. I don't think we get I, I don't think we get enough setup with Julie. Right. We don't get nearly enough Mira Winningham in this. And I think there's a way to restructure this where she's more of a character. As opposed to just kind of like he eventually does link back up with her and she's kind of just in a, you know, kind of just being dragged along you know what i'm saying well, there are emotional beats and they get there eventually towards the end but i feel like there's a way to have more of the two of them and more of what more setup just in terms of like dude i get that like maybe you're a little lonely or whatever and this is like you really felt a connection with her i don't mm-hmm. think they do a terrible job of establishing that and don't they even reference that, like, they've seen each other once or twice before? Right, yeah, they've seen each other but there before. It's, but it's definitely shorthanded, and I get that, because you do want the momentum of, like, moving into, okay, well, now we're in the, we gotta get on the, the evening, and, yeah. like, we want this ticking clock. But I feel like just a little bit more establishment of that, and maybe not as much of a gap to, like, get to her. Like, I think it should be an effort, but maybe it's like, oh, she's not that far away. I hoof it, but then it's a barrier of like getting her to buy into this, right? Like because he tries to keep it from her for the longest time, and it's like if this is a new guy who like you don't fully know well, it's like you're more inclined to be like, oh shit, I picked a weird one, like I fucked up, and you know that whole aspect of it you could play more on, and like I feel like that would have great tension to it because if we've bought into it, we do have this ticking clock, but if we're also exploring, was this guy kind of losing his shit? then we're also playing with that paranoia. And if you, if you get into it, if you look at it, the, the people who may, or let's just say that the people who've been living under this cold war, the longest, the grandparents, they totally, yeah, they know what's going to happen. They were trained for this. They had, that is a great moment when they kind of choose just to go off. And and she's, she's like, wait a minute, because basically he has to tell them like, this is going to happen. Like, he lets it slip. Somehow they find out. And so they're like, well, you know, she, we gave her a volume to go to sleep. She was so upset, blah, blah, blah. And when they find him later and they're like, Hey, we're going to get up and go get breakfast. Like, Oh my God, they're speaking to each other. And he's like, yeah, she's like, we're going to go. Oh yeah. They have, we love you, honey. You know, we're just, we're just going to go sit there. And he's trying to like talk him out of it. Like, come, you know, don't you want to come with? 
no, we're we're good. We're gonna go off together. It's so sweet and so sad. And but she plays on it like, well, I want to go with them. And he's like, he's trying to keep that from her. He doesn't want her to have to like get that. But then where you ultimately get to of like, they're in the shit of it now because we fast forward and it's basically, you know, old boy comes, you know, cops are chasing somebody and you're kind of vaguely hearing like, you know, Hey, all these things are happening. You know, like he's, he leaves her on the helipad and that's where she finds out like, Oh shit. Like this is legit. Like these people are leaving because the bombs are on the way. Right. And she comes downstairs to try and find a helicopter pilot. And that's probably one of my favorite sequences of the movie where he's in that gym trying to find it. And the one dude, I don't know his name. That's Shao Kahn, Bubba. Yet, is it? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It is Shao Kahn. <laughs> and he's just like, I can fly. I'm like, hey, I got to go. This is happening, man. He's like, if it really is the end, I got to bring someone with me. Okay, fine. <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> it's like, problem? Nope. All right, let's go. <laughs> I love it, dude. That's like fucking perfect, you know? And it's just, it's just like these one, it, you know, and I didn't remember like the whole, like him having to get across traffic. Brian Thompson is the actor. Right. Sorry. I didn't remember him having to get across traffic and how crazy it got. I don't remember that the first watching, but. um, I will, here is where it, you know, I, I imagine it had a bit more of a budget than Night of the Comet, but when they do get to these crowd scenes, mm-hmm. I think they do a fantastic job of the staging of this feeling very chaotic and like it doesn't feel like they're cheating the size of the crowd. There's particularly there's one um I mean the shots in the trailer, but when you've got like people on top of the cars and mm-hmm. kind of like gridlocked or whatever and it's kind of a, almost coming up over the horizon sort of like shot mm-hmm. of it. Um yeah, I was like, oh, this it, the escalation Right, I thought was very and, and like I very effective. When when you talk of like playing with, is it is it gonna happen? Is it not? When you get the scene of like Michael T coming back in, I don't know his I forget his name in the in the movie. Him coming back in, having been shot up by the cops, and his dead sister with him because he, mm-hmm. he just had to get his sister. He had to go right because they steal that cop car. They don't you know his car gets blown up. Um and it's like, okay, he's dead now. And she's like, oh shit, it's real. It's getting real. People are dying. And when you think like, fuck, they're going to have to, how are they going to think about, how are they going to get out of this? Like they're already in the store. The cops are, wait a minute. Where are the cops? Why aren't they, why aren't they kicking everything in? And then when they make it outside, the last thing they see is a guy who's supposed to be repelling down being like, I'm out because it, the word's gone out. It's happening. Mm-hmm. There's no escaping it now, you know? And how quickly that devolves into like, or just tears apart into like utter chaos. Yeah. From then on, it's just this, it's like, okay, it's a fight to get back to the top of the helipad. They get back up there and what's his face? Fuller is just like coked out of his mind. He's probably just got done. He looked like he just got done murdering someone. Because there's some woman laid out, like a woman, some other character is like... I I mean, or worse was implied. I mean, regardless which, yeah. He murdered, raped the corpse, whatever it is. Like Who he knows? just completely, he's on every drug there is. And right. I'm like, you know what? If that, if I'm going to get annihilated, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can as quickly as I can. Totally understand. I'm going to watch it until my eyes get burned out on the horizon of the biggest building in downtown LA. Sounds great. Yeah. 
but you get that last glimpse of hope of like the helicopter guy being like, I told you I'd be here, you know, I wouldn't, you know, and yeah, you're like, okay, essentially at this this point you're like, okay, they can't get to the airport and leave, but maybe they can get as far as way as they can. And you know, if I don't know, I don't trust anybody born after 2000, but I'm sure anybody our age knows it ain't exactly the, the bomb. It's the EMP before it that always is going to fuck you. And that's exactly what happens here. Yeah. And they happen to just fall into the La Brea Tar Pits, which is where they, they first met and where they fell in love. Yeah. And it's not a happy ending. Nope. And it's, it's made in 88 before the curtain falls. And that's what I talk to people about all the time when they ask about, what about this? What about that? And I tell them from 1980 to now, we stopped saving our money and we spent it because a lot of people in the 80s didn't think we were going to see the 90s. So what we saved dropped and what we spent went up and it's just gone up ever since. We haven't gotten back to the, oh, we're not going to get killed by the nukes and the Russians. Okay, well, let's yeah. maybe we start saving for the future. Nah, dude, we like our shit. We like our stuff. But, you know, fuck Reaganomics, but it is what it is. And this is one of those movies that I'm like, if it just came out maybe two years earlier, maybe mid 80s, I feel like more people would talk about it. But I can't, I can't find five people on this planet that yeah, I know it's definitely that a, have seen Miracle Mile besides you. A more you cult curio at this yes. point for people. So, um, but yeah, I in rewatching it and getting to see the full picture of it because I don't know that I had ever watched it yeah. start to finish until this time. Um, we didn't really talk about. It. I think Ed, Anthony Edwards is great in it. Yeah, perfect. Um, maybe not like your. He's an interesting character who, again, you don't really know that much about because so much of this happens the way it does. I also wonder if there's a way to reapproach this where it's more of a, um, you've got kind of multiple narratives built up across the night of a couple different characters. Mm -hmm. Like you see them in the afternoon beforehand or whatever, and then it's like one of them gets tipped off and then it, how it spreads throughout or different perspectives on it. I also, well kind of lose the tick and clock angle i'm also like it'd be kind of a cool mini series i was just fucking thinking that to explore um a sleek six-parter hbo max yeah because again it has the it has that twilight zone hook there was in the research am i mistaken that this was at one point they wanted uh we haven't even shouted out the writer director and my phone died steve DeJarnet. yes is that correct and they wanted they wanted it to be a segment in the twilight zone movie right yes uh which i just listened to a behind the bastards on recently actually oh did you listen to that one do you still listen to that show oh yeah i do all the time did you listen to the twilight no i need to it's a two-parter i mean i knew pretty much all the details of this yeah because i was obsessed with it when i found out about it but uh the way he lays it out is still pretty compelling. And I definitely have to look. Because he did talk about stuff that I did not know about, which is like Landis's behavior immediately afterwards and at the funerals for those people that he went to and gave eulogies at Vic Morrow's funeral, which nobody asked him to do. What a fucking dickhead, dude. Mm-hmm. I like. I mean, I already was kind of like, "Fuck that guy." You get, but you, at, after getting the details on like, the way he behaved afterwards, basically to save his ass from a legal standpoint or whatever his lawyers were advising him to do, what a piece of shit, dude. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's the Fuck thing, John Landis. Just want to get that. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing. 
I feel like nowadays we we are looking back at things and re-examining them sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. But you know, there's you know, you can only you can only have so much goodwill. Like yeah, American Werewolf in London is great. Animal House, great. The Thriller video, great. But does it? It's not good enough to do what you did with the fucking Twilight Zone movie. Great. Like, you don't come back from that. This would have... I, the main reason I even brought all of that up is this would have been the segment that would have replaced that. Yeah. Clearly, if you look at, like, oh, yeah. the structure of that movie. Like, this would be the stand-in for, like, getting at some of those elements of... That one's specifically about a bigot who, like, has their, like, outlook changed by, like, going through historical events or experiencing things firsthand. But... It's also, I feel like tonally, this is these on the, two would be linked. This is on the level the of nightmare at three, at 30,000 feet. Of a, is that actually something that's out there? Is yes. that something that I need to really worry about? Or am I just in my mind? You can make this that. Yes. I Totally. And I feel like as a segment, you can keep it more ambiguous, whereas the movie wants to have some sort of resolution. Because I feel like it, it does the, this is actually happening. We're still going to have the downer ending. I think there's a way to do this where it's like, you still don't know at the end and you can read things as like, is this this like beautiful moment of but, like but at the you, end of the world or is this this bleak thing that this person caused inadvertently? Right. That, you know. Right. Because if you do add elements in multiple stories, you get to have that. You get to have the, this is so tragic they couldn't be together. And you right. get to have the, well, no, they, they wind up happily ever after depending on routes that you go and what, what you do. You know, and I mean, I think it would be interesting to see what does a hospital look like the night this is happening? What does like law enforcement, what are they doing? Like we said, the guys who like essentially are like, well, well, they were going to run in there and blow, like blow Michael, Michael T. Williams. They're bringing a blue Williams. And all of a sudden they're just like, fuck that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think you could do. I wonder if you could do like. What I'm thinking is like just because you have that imagery of them in that the truck with all the food and canned stuff and they're driving, I would. That's pick, your first episode, and then you. That's you are barreling down the highway, and you've got these people in the back, and you give me glimpses to like break it up what they were doing before they got back here. You don't give me all the way. But you get me enough to where like okay, I'm gonna know this is how this person yeah, that, at least gets to the diner. And then I can go from there. And then my big reveal in the second episode, second half, the stinger to get you to come back for three is one of them just heard that we've already shot our nukes at, at the Russians or our, whatever bad guy we have and that there are nukes on the way and we need to get the fuck out as quickly as possible. We don't even have a time. We don't know how long it's going to be. It's going to, it won't be any further, maybe three to four hours. We don't know how much time we've got, but we got to go now. And my third episode picks up with like rounding up what everybody was doing, how they got in the back of there. And then, okay, well, there's a problem. One or two of these guys can't run away right now, but the group knows that they've got the info. They know what's what. So what are we going to do? Are you going to stick with them? Let them do what they have to do to get going? Or are you just going to go do your own thing and like fend for yourselves? And then you can run out how you want to do it from there. But I definitely feel like this is something that could be reworked into a limited series run. And you can, you know, you can pull it, you can, you can tie in so many things from today 
to make it legit. Like, oh, the the paranoid thriller will never not be yeah. relevant, <laughs> unfortunately. So, uh, where did you watch this again? Because I, like an idiot, paid for it, but where can people go check this out? I believe it's on Tubi or... It's on one of those, like, it's free. And it was nice, too, because it was like the the commercials felt like TV commercials. It didn't feel like something I was only going to see on a YouTube ad. Okay. So that was nice. I had like one or two, um, like vanilla ice and, uh, iced tea calling people or whatever. Okay. Like those, whatnot. Um, it, I think it was on, that's a shout out for 2B TV. 2B or one of those. If you Google it, that's what I love about Google. Now you Google anything you want to find. It'll tell you where you can watch it. And a lot of those things and are free. Of, you just got to make an account. I don't know where you watched Out of Sight. I own it, so I didn't have to. It was on one of the streaming ones we already have. I didn't pay for it. It's probably on HBO right now. I think so. Prime actually. or something. Uh, but yeah, it was fun going through these. Again, kind of the tail end of Anthony Edwards' film career for a while. And yeah. the, but luckily he has basically the one of the lead roles in what's about to become the biggest medical franchise of its day. Right. Uh medical drama of its day and cloning we got him right before he's about to go off and you know become fucking danny ocean and be yeah. like everybody one of everybody's favorite movie stars for and, about 10 years and then okay. now i feel like people are pretty much indifferent to him yeah and we'll you know we're, we, we i'm not gonna make you go through this one so um it is an amazing interesting arc with mark green him you know ha- being the doctor being the guy his wife starting to get famous in her career, they're split. Him kind of, dude, there's some there's some episodes where he is running through the ladies. To, I was trying to nail it down. I was like, what? With, with Clooney, it's the charisma. I think the thing about Anthony Edwards, it's this odd mix of, it's not odd, I guess, it's unique, it's unique to him. It's hard to pin it down, but to me, it's an earnestness mixed with a level of confidence yes you don't necessarily get that in this because it's a character who's like full of self-doubt the whole time and is kind right. of flying by the seat of his pants but the way i look at like the mark green performance and like kind of the best of and like bill armstrong which is my other favorite performance in zodiac is it's that he's there's no bullshit to him he's right. a i could you know he's not a joke not an overly jokey guy which is why again like I feel like even in the Revenge of the Nerds movies, like he was more the straight man. Right. The stuff was happening around him. He was mm-hmm. more the harder, the you know, the nicer. He's guy. the heart of it. He's yes. the heart of that show. He's the heart of ER. He yeah. is, like I said, you look at it as Carter and his journey, but I mean, you set the tone, Carter. You know, there's so much wisdom in there, and like if you pay attention to it, he gets shit over. Carrie Weaver shits on him. He gets all this stuff, and it's not until later on that he starts just being like, you know what, I know what's what, and I know how to do my job, and I'm just going to be, I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to give a shit about what happens because I got cancer, and I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. And, I mean, there's so many little tiny arcs that you look at it, and you're like, wow, this dude did this. The... um. It's not Hell in High Water. That's George Clooney's one where he saves the kid in the um, the sewer drain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't put this one on the list because it's always been a rough one. The one that follows him for 24 hours with the pregnant couple and Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford, dead. directed by Tarantino. Yeah, they just, the worst day of a doctor's life. Yeah. 
just the range of everything. And like, it ends with him just fucking crying on the L train home. That is like, if you weren't down for that show after that episode, fucking quit watching man. Because like it is that show had some of the most like pivotal, like audience, you know, just, you had to watch it. People talked about it moments. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's one of the last big network shows that did that. I know your heroes come along. That ha- I mean, that had that monocultural that of like just attention that we talk about that everybody's been chasing since right. Game of Thrones. But yeah. it's and it may be helped by the fact that one of the best sitcoms ever was on at eight. You didn't have to do much after eight thirty nine. You could eat. You could do whatever. And then ten o'clock ER was on. There was a period of time where you were watching Seinfeld, Friends. And ER. Yes. In one evening. Mm-hmm. On one night of television. Right. And there was something else probably in the mix there that Will rotated out until the... Eventually, it was Friends, Will and Grace, and ER. Yeah. But for for most of the bulk of the time we were watching, I'm just saying, like, yeah. when the show started, yeah, and I feel like that other slot rotated out at the other half hour or something, but yeah, just the idea that you could sit Seinfeld down at one that? point, watch Friends, Seinfeld, and ER all in one evening. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And his eventual again, just because I'm not gonna be his green, initially gets cancer, but beats it. It's a nice upbeat, and then we have the it's back. We don't know what's gonna happen, and we eventually have him being like, you know what, my dad's gone. I've kind of messed things up with my wife, Corday, and I've you know I've I've messed up like raising my daughter because I let my my ex wife raise her, so. I had read where he initially had said, I want to like go out in a crazy, like a just bang car wreck. I'm done. Uh But the writers convinced him to say, why don't you like give him a send off? Like let him, let it mean something. Let it just sit with it. And so that Hawaii episode is like, yeah, but it's, I mean, probably top five episodes of the whole series. Exactly. And then the whole, like the letter coming back. And it's interesting to look at that because, you know, they get the letter. He reads it. Carter reads it to everybody. Say, oh, this, this is, oh, Mark died today. This is, and this, he's like, all right, post it, put it on the board. And he posts it up there. And to watch the episodes after that, one or two, where different characters are coming through and reading that and realizing, oh, shit, Mark Green died. Because, like, we're here, we're bawling, we're like, oh, my God, no. But there are people who read that, then they go put their lab coat on and they go to work. And, like, I know that's what mom did because, like, there's plenty of people who, like, either patients of hers, the one patient that they, the one nurse that they work with that unfortunately got cancer and he died. Like, I know that's how it is. Like, that's, it's so, like, I'm, Grays is Grays, but to me, ER is probably more authentic on most levels. Like, when it came to just what people do in that profession, in that, strictly in that profession of trauma. You do get to get into surgery some. You do get to get into some different things, psychology and like different, you know, parts of a hospital as a whole. But the whole focus is on that ER unit. And I just feel like it's one of those shows that like it was innovative. It was new. I mean, think about the runner. Think about the oneers in every episode you see that have to work like clockwork or you fuck it up and you got to do it again. You know? Yeah. And it's just amazing. All that medical jargon. Yeah. It's it's wild, man. But it's it's. Well, we will be talking a lot more about ER yes. over on our Patreon. Yes, That's indeed. Patreon.com/slash/the Arc of E. 
please join us for Summers in the ER. If you choose not to, though, you will still be getting some 2x2s here. Uh, and we'll probably mix some other stuff in because TV is at critical mass right yes. now. <laughs> and we're just over halfway through the year. Uh, it's a lot. It is a lot, but a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, so we'll probably have some Barry and the boys talk for you at some point in the near future. Uh, we've also got some, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some surprises coming in the summer, but our next big thing TV wise, once we get done with our summers in the ER, will be, uh, some Cobra Kai chat. Yes. Uh, definitely. Back. So, uh, stick around for more two by twos on this feed. Check out our Patreon if you want to come on the, uh, the journey into the ER guest star averse and, uh, anything else you'd like to share with the, Oh, um, I don't know when you're hearing this, but hopefully before the 15th of this month, that's June 15th, I have a new album out uh, called Scene Stealer. It's a little EP available wherever you get music under my moniker NARC. It's lowercase n, capital A, capital R, capital K. Um, Also want to shout out, just for the hell of it, while we're at the end here, um, former producer of uh, When the Sun Sets East and some other... uh, rkv podcast over the years mr nathan hussey oh, and yeah, his band all tour. get out are currently on tour with motion city soundtrack making updates that were unfortunately interrupted by covid uh so go support them if you can go see them locally and uh their new album kodak which is fantastic is available as well wherever you get music um might play a little bit of that to roll out to uh we'll throw something on there uh but until next time uh I've been Dr. Noah Blanchard. And I've been uh, first-year resident, Gavin Blanchard. I guess I'm the first-year resident, if, yeah. if anything. Yeah, I should be the fucking attendant, All right, bro. then you do Then you do the outro. Okay. By all means. Um, I just I was really just going to try and tell you, I'm, we got a lot on our plate. The future freaks me out. I was trying to throw that in there. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I just think we should just go clear, and then like you can add like a, like you know, that in later. But that's going to be for the... Yeah, but that's so, right. Those are for the episodes. You gotta go to Patreon if you want all the the, the new music gotcha. and the sound effect. Okay. We're enticing people. Dude, so, these are just boring ass two by two yeah. episodes. So uh I guess uh for, Where we talk about ER, a show that probably most people have not watched in years. Or but, ever. Who knows? Yes. Um that's my discovery. I hope someone's like, I'll give it a try and they are just fascinated by everything about it and they're just like holy if shit this was truly somebody's like window into er was listening to us talk about six episodes of it on a podcast sort of tangentially related that would just about make our that would make all of this worth it that's, that's better than like you know an interview with yoni wolf again like it's just like the meaning the some the symbology behind it all I think we'd have done it all. Symbolism. Oh, symbolism. We got to right, So, as your attending physician, I'd like to tell you, folks, um, wear your sunblock, stay hydrated, and enjoy your summer in the ER. You set the tone.